Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Civil Discourse. Before we get started this week, you guys, I just wanted to remind you, this student spin podcast is a sister media than the Six Mile Post newspaper at Georgia Highlands College here in Rome, Georgia. The views on this podcast do not represent those of the Six Mile Post or Georgia Highlands College. Hope you guys are having a wonderful Wednesday out there. I am joined, as always, by my amazing best friend and co-host, Damien. How are you doing today, Damien? As always, okay, for the second time. <laughs> but I'm great, loving life. How are you? Don't roll your eyes at me. I I love that you're giving audio cues for, for, or visual cues for our audio listeners. They know what it looks like when somebody rolls their eyes. They're not stupid. They're, uh, they, our audience is very informed because we don't undersell, them. don't undersell the intelligence of our audience. I'm, I'm not. Side. I'm, I'm just saying. Audience. I am also team audience. No, you're not. You're calling them. They just called you stupid, you guys, if you're listening. He said you were uh, an idiot. I, he cut it out. He said I, you were an idiot. <laughs> I hate you for that. I hate you for that. Okay. Anyway, um, so I've had an okay day. Um, A lot of news has happened in the past two days, and I'm really excited to talk about it with you. And I know that you brought some stories you wanted to share as well today. So why don't you go first? Yes. Okay. So the very first thing I want to talk about is actually i'm gonna go first because i really want to talk about what i want to talk about we'll get to you in just a second so i was scrolling through my news feed as i always do when i wake up in the morning because it's the first thing i like to do just you know figure out what's going on in the world keep myself up to date and present and i scrolled past a story that said a timeline of the killing of ahmaud arbery and the case against three men accused of his murder and this is written by a CNN reporter, Dakin and Donay. And it was updated as of 5.33, Monday, October 18th in the morning. And it basically gives a specific timeline for this man's murder and how he was, he, he's a black man. He was a black man, sorry. And it goes on to say that his murder took place in February 2020, which was last year, obviously, because 2020, I don't know why I needed to explain it to you, but I'm explaining to for clarification. Um, 2020 was last year, you're correct. 2020, thank you. I am insightful and knowledgeable on many topics, including what last year was. This happened in South Georgia. Man was 25 and was gunned down by three three men. And for some reason, they're all pleading not guilty and I can't understand why they're doing it. And it also brings like, a light to certain subjects and it's like I guess what I'm trying to say is how does something like this get overshadowed like I know there's so much there was so much going on when Black Lives Matter started and like at the height of everything and things like that but how does something this big that's on the level of like George Floyd like ish type stuff get overlooked and especially when I live in Georgia and you live in Georgia and I didn't even know this happened Arbery had gone out for a jog like he does like you know all the time uh it's just something he regularly does and Gregory McMichael and his son, Travis, uh, Gregory used to be a police officer and investigator for the local district attorney's office, just to give background for this person and not justification in my eyes, but I guess justification through his eyes for what he was doing, because it's kind of, um, it's kind of, it's kind of messed up because their excuse was that they were performing and conducting a citizen's arrest with a gun out on the sidewalk. And a third man joined in, and his name was William Bryan, and recorded the whole thing. But it was 10 weeks after this had happened, and it was only like a 36-second video. And they said that they had pursued him because they suspected, suspected, not even, not even like confirmed that he was a part of a bunch of robberies that were happening in their neighborhood. 
so all so all this happens and there's a certain timeline where it goes on until may before they're even arrested and this happened in february and it's turned over by like three or four different prosecutors because there's a conflict of interest with every single one of them which is crazy to me and then the third person is also arrested and there is confirmation from a Georgia Bureau investigator that McMichael, the son, Travis, used a racial slur after shooting Arbery. And I guess my question here is, why are we waiting so long to prosecute a group of people that has confirmed, you know, essentially, uh, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's a hate crime to just walk out on the street and shoot a black guy because you thought he was threatening you personally. Um, And why is it not covered enough in the media? Like, why? Like, it's been, it's over a year now since that has happened. And they're just now getting tried and prosecuted and they're pleading not guilty. Yeah. I mean, I heard about the case when it happened um, or when it became public, I guess, not when it happened, because there's always some sort of a delay. Um, what was your question again? I'm sorry. <laughs> God. Okay. So my question was like, how how do we as, you know, a society and as jurors and prosecutors or just in general, like with the criminal justice system, wait so long when there's so much evidence piling up for a hate crime like this? And why why is it so well covered? And by covered, I mean like not talked about to the point where it can almost just be kind of glazed over. Well, I think unfortunately what we see is that a lot of times in the country, especially with hate crimes, that due process has been very delayed. Because at the end of the day, hate crimes are emotion-based crimes. And what you have to prove is that there is some sort of emotion behind it and that can be difficult and the evidence for that can sometimes be non-existent especially if there's not a recording a lot of it can just be like he said she said which you know sometimes works in the court of law and other times doesn't so that's a lot of times why that's a lot of times why it takes a while to convict these things it reminds me a lot of the Trayvon Martin case from a few years ago where George Zimmerman was a man who saw he was working for his um, neighborhood patrol and he saw Trayvon Martin I believe he was going to a convenience store to grab food for his family family. Trayvon Martin, a young black man, completely unarmed in this situation. And he conducted what he called a citizen's arrest um, and shot and killed Trayvon Martin and eventually was completely acquitted of all the charges. He never got charged for any of it because no one can prove that it was racially motivated. No one could prove that there was no sort of threat. I I believe he said that Trayvon Martin was threatening him and that he was yelling at him. And no one can prove that that didn't happen. So he essentially got off in terms of it being self-defense, which I think is completely ridiculous. But the point is, the criminal justice system has not only been slow, to react to a lot of these crimes, but it has, in my opinion, in a lot of cases, got some of them wrong, especially when we talk about race or um, hate crimes based on sexuality or gender identity or whatever the case may be. Those are still marginalized groups and they're still gonna be marginalized in the legal system. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with why we don't convict those people because you know they're obviously gonna favor the people that aren't in the marginalized groups, unfortunately. I think the problem with the media there is that time of year was full of a whole bunch of news stories. So I don't think it wasn't that it wasn't getting reported. I just think because we had COVID and we had George Floyd and we had, there was another shooting that time of year that I can't remember the name of, um, but we had a bunch going on at once. I think it kind of just got swept under the rug. Um, but I did hear about it and it should have gotten a lot more attention than it did. You know, with everything going on, especially with George Floyd and all of the other, I don't want to mess her name up. Hold on. Brianna? 
Taylor? Bri- yeah, Brianna. But there was also another. There was also another girl that that her story kind of shook me as much as Brianna's did. Where's she at? Where's she at? Where's she at? Where's she at? Sorry, I went to I went to a website that is it's called Say Every Dot Name and it has every person's story that has been uh, wrongfully shot that was a black person. And I it's it's a really great piece of information, but it's also kind of sad because it has everybody's. I found it okay. It was a girl in Columbus, Ohio. And it happened earlier this year. And her name is Micaiah Bryant. Yeah, that that one, it just, it sucks. So I just want to preface that I'm very Black Lives Matter. I know that you know that. I'm just saying it out loud on the podcast. And it just kind of sucks that, and I know this is kind of like, this is a privilege for me to be able to say this because other people don't need me to say this, but it sucks that we have so much racial injustice in a nation where we're supposed to be the land of the free, the home of the brave, like a, like a literal a literal crucible of cultures and acceptance. And we're everything but that. Yeah. We have historically failed on our message and our promise to people if they are in some sort of marginalized group. I think the funniest thing for people to say is like, go back where you came from, because this is a country of immigrants, white people included. Right. I think they were telling Representative Ilhan Omar, I think Donald Trump told her to go back home at one point, and she was born in Michigan. So like, (laughs) (laughs) there's nowhere to go. So let me go to my backyard. Let, let me go home. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so I have two more stories. And I know that you have two as well. But I want to bring this to your attention too. I, another article called Trump Sues to Keep White House Records Secret Claiming Executive Privilege came up on my newsfeed and it was reported by Caitlin Polance and Tierney Steed, CNN reporters as well, that former President Donald Trump filed a lawsuit on Monday. And this article was written on Monday as well. In the D.C. District Court against the House Select Committee investigating and saying that they need to keep his presidency record secret by claiming executive privilege. So I guess what I'm saying is, do you think that his claim is founded and should all of that be stricken from the record? Or do you think that it should still be brought up in all of that? Is anything that man ever says based in any truth? No, of course it isn't. Oh my God. I mean, (laughs) if you're gonna, if you're gonna call for executive privilege, don't you think you actually have to be the president at the time that you're calling for it? I think right there, I mean, that should, you know, that's kind of what it's for. Even if he was, I think that if you're under investigation as a sitting official, especially to that high of a caliber, I think you should be held responsible for the things you've done. And I think it's, I don't think, I don't think guilty people try to, or I don't think innocent people, sorry, try to have evidence hidden. I think if you're innocent, you're going to want as much evidence out there as you can. not saying he's guilty. I'm not going to put that on it. But, you know, I think if you're innocent, you want as much evidence out there as you can to prove that you're innocent. So I think if I were him, I would probably want as much evidence and as much as many documents as possible submitted just to prove that I was innocent if I truly believed it. What no, you, what do you, what do you think? No, I agree. I think that I'm not going to slander Donald Trump's character, but I think something that he's really good at per se is making people believe that certain aspects of this country are unconstitutional. Especially when you look at like the January 6th riot alone, some things that he said about other people, and like we just literally, like you just said about telling someone who lives in Michigan to go back home and things like that. You kind of like, you kind of run into this cultish like aspect where one viewpoint that may not necessarily be healthy for an entire country is suddenly viewed and seen by all the people who think the same way and think that they could just act out and respond to whatever they want because there's no consequences almost for what he does. Like, I don't think I've ever seen that man catch a case or a charge that stuck. (laughs) 
You're right. You're right. I hate to call him a genius for anything, but no one works harder than Donald Trump's PR team. I mean, he could convince people, he could punch somebody in the face on camera and then go on camera the next day and say that didn't happen and people would believe him. I think in that sense, he was a political genius, especially considering he had absolutely no political experience beforehand. I think it was quite impressive how he came to power and, you know, was able to convince people to support him and convince people that what he was saying was the verifiable truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. And so I really just, I'm having a hard time this week. I think just, you know, finding good things, good things in the news. So I do have a fun, silly little silly little entertainment news article that I want to go on with you about at the end. But I know that you have two stories you want to talk about as well. So let's get into that really quick. I do. I do. Okay. So I was also doing some scrolling this morning and I, I don't necessarily prefer digital media. I prefer to get my newspapers through like print media. Not like I read a newspaper, but print media that posts their stuff online. Um, I just find it a lot more palatable sometimes because it isn't as like histrionic like I think a lot of the digital media places are. But yeah, I was doing some scrolling this morning on the Washington Post because I get their little email newsletter every day. And I found an article titled Opinion. It's strange Superman was ever straight to begin with. Um, it's published by John Paul Brammer. He is a um, opinion writer for the Washington Post. He writes a lot about pop culture and LGBTQ issues. And it was posted yesterday, Sunday the 17th. At 7.35 was when it was last updated in the morning. And the article talks about Superman's son, you know, in the new comics, is apparently bisexual, openly bisexual. And a lot of people in the LGBTQ community have been praising this as um, representation for us. And they think it's a good thing. And they're happy that it's gonna, they're happy that we get that representation in the media. Because we are an underrepresented group. If you didn't know I'm gay. <laughs> Thank you for your coming out moment on this podcast. I am not a woman, listeners. <laughs> oh my God. But what if you were? That'd be okay. No, I'm saying because of my voice. Yeah, I'm because not, it's so high and feminine. I'm not it just screams ingenue. I get called ma'am all the time, first of all. This is, don't come from my experience. Um, <laughs> what was the last thing I was saying? You, I don't even know anymore. You're already trying to argue with me. Have you got to the point? Oh, so anyway, the article outlines the, you know, Superman's son, bisexual, gives a whole rundown of it. The author's opinion was that it was a good thing and that he enjoyed the representation that we were getting because he had, we are an underrepresented group. Yes. It makes a lot of good points, none of which I agree with, because my problem is I've always had struggled with the way that we tackle representation. I think a lot of times we try to force ourselves into already existing spaces. Like we take already existing characters and we make them part of some sort of minority group that they might not have been established as previously. Yeah. And I think that's fine. I don't think there's any harm in that. My point is instead of pushing representation as we're going to take a straight character and make them gay or make them bisexual or whatever, why don't more gay authors just make new characters that are LGBTQ? So this character is, he was never identified as straight to begin with. Like right. his, his character art just started. And the fact that they have, they have a character who is bisexual is a, like openly is a pretty big step. It's not the first time they've done it. And it's right, it is. My point isn't necessarily with this specific, my gripe isn't with this specific character, but as I was reading this article, it just like, I, I think, you know, representation in any form is fine. I don't think there's ever any harm in representing another group that's underrepresented in anything, right? So I think overall, it's going to be good. It's going to give us representation. It's going to give an entire new generation of kids who are still reading comic books and are still, you know, digesting that kind of media. 
representation and exposure to people they might not have never met before. So 100% for it, whatever, fine. My gripe is that a lot of times LGBTQ authors or even other minority group authors, they spend so much time, they spend so much time trying to force themselves into spaces that they didn't necessarily exist instead of creating our own spaces for ourselves. And I think what it kind of does is number one, if it was just if we created more characters that were openly LGBTQ from the beginning, I don't think we'd have as much outrage about it because the show, the show Shit's Creek, as you know, has several LGBTQ characters in that. And I don't think I've ever seen any outrage about it. And number two, I think when you make a space for LGBTQ people by LGBTQ people specifically designed for us, I think it makes it so much more authentic than trying to placate to an audience by saying, oh, well, this character, we never said he was straight, so he's going to be bi. Again, I don't have any problem with it. I just think there's so many better ways to do representation than how we're doing it now. Well, so I agree and I disagree with what you're saying. So I think that I think that having your own queer space, having our own queer space is very important. And I think that it's something that really should be desired because queer community is like no other. Like you like that's why so many straight people go to gay bars to like get an experience they will not have anywhere else. But like I'm kind of all for pushing into those spaces and making like queer characters known in them because so you I'm pretty sure I sent you this TikTok, but I was on TikTok the other day and there's this gay conservative man and there's nothing wrong with that. However, um, he was talking about this, like this Superman because, you know, I, I don't know Superman at all. I just started reading it because of this art and because I like the way that Superman's son looks in his costume. Like it just looks visually like, like the cape he's got going on. Like it looks cooler than any other Superman costume I've seen in a hot minute. So I was excited to read it because of that. And the, like, the first issue of it has this, like, old, like, throwback to, like, one of the first Superman comics. Like, like really good how they set it up. It's kind of like when, like, that gay conservative guy, I don't know his name, I don't care to, because he has some really awful opinions that are just hateful for no reason. Is it the Trump supporter? Yes. Is it Christian Walker? Is it him? Is he white? Because... No. Okay, so then, no. It's a white man that literally looks like he has no upper lip. Uh... <laughs> Drag her. Okay, but he goes on to say that we are shoving gay media down children's throats for two men kissing in a comic. And I find that really interesting because when Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn started doing their thing, everybody had no problem with it. They were all for it. It was the new frontier and it was a raging bloom of inclusivity for everyone to enjoy because oddly enough, we're, about, we're getting very queer and political on this podcast. People sort of fetishize lesbian relationships or woman loving women relationships and that's more acceptable and I, I I agree with your point but what I'm about to get to is I think that with that point it also enhances this term called othering which is where we create an own space for ourselves so much that we are then further ostracizing ourselves from a community even though it seems like we're having to push our way in there to fit in. So you think that by creating our own spaces that we otherize ourselves almost like if we keep creating spaces for ourselves that it like basically gives another target for people to otherize is that what you're saying? Uh, kind of, I mean, if you look at, like, so if you look at the Pulse shooting, right, like, like most, most mass attacks, mass attacks, I don't even know if that's the right word. Oh. oh my god, Nikki Minaj, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast today. <laughs> 
I believe that we should have our own queer spaces. Like, I'm not saying that it shouldn't happen. I'm just saying that, like, also push into the space where we shouldn't belong. Or I'm not saying that's what you said. I'm just saying, like, what I've heard historically, like, where we don't belong, where we don't fit in, where we don't, where it seems like something's one way and then it's actually gay. Like, it's the only way we can keep progressing in a way that might seem detrimental at first, in my opinion, but will result in a better outcome. Because even though it's got a lot of negative flack and it's got a lot of people talking, it's a beautiful arc. And you also, that's how they introduced the Hulkling and the Wicked in the Marvel Universe. They're a very cute gay couple that has been there since around 2008, I want to say. And they are like, no one said anything about that. And it's just, they're so commonplace now. Like they've been a part of the Young Avengers forever. Like they have their own storylines and stuff like that. I think the Wicked even had his own comic book for a little bit. Like, like I'm all for them pressing this into this straight form of media as much as it can because I believe that the point of art and the point of what they're doing which is this form of storytelling is to make people uncomfortable whether it's intentional or not I say this about theater too like theater is meant to incite and to make you think and not every piece has to be deep not every piece has to be like oh my god I have to go out and solve global climate change immediately like it could literally just be I'm going to watch a show about everything that literally goes wrong in a play that possibly could because there's a play for that. And I just think that, that we've come so far that that seems like a step back to me. I don't necessarily disagree with anything you're saying. I don't agree with it either. But I think that... <laughs> you're saying it's trash <laughs> and you hate it. It's garbage. In fewer words. But I think that... I obviously am not saying that I don't think we should exist in every space because gay people are... LGBTQ people are in every aspect of society. And so we should be welcomed in every aspect of society, I think. Um, so I'm not saying I think it's a bad thing that we're doing this. It just... My problem is a lot of these big media companies hire writers that are not a part of any sort of minority group that they're writing about. And so when they create characters that are a part of a minority group, it seems very disingenuous. So my point really is that if we're going to have LGBTQ characters, I would number one, feel a lot more comfortable with it being wrote by actual LGBTQ authors. Um, and number two, I think it really should be in places that we define for ourselves instead of trying to push ourselves into places where, you know, we weren't necessarily represented in before. That is to say that I think it should stop and that I think they should, you know, discontinue the character. I don't know how comic books work. I don't know if they like recall, discontinue, whatever. So I'm not saying that and I'm not saying they should stop doing it, but I'm saying that I think if it wants to come up a little more genuine and if it wants to have more of an impact, they should just create that space for LGBTQ people. I don't think it necessarily should be forced into a space where, you know, we might not have existed before. Okay. So not to like discredit what you just said, because I think it was very deep and insightful. However, I'm pretty sure the writer, Tom Taylor, is a part of the LGBTQ community in some aspect. I don't know what, I haven't read enough about him, but he's received several awards for his like purposes and inclusion on things. And I have to find the article so I can reference it later. But there's an interview that he had where he said that he felt it would be a missed opportunity if Superman were another straight white saint. No, I think, see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. If you have an author who's a part of the LGBTQ community, who's an awarded author and who has clearly the accolades to do something, why would that author, the author's time would be better served creating another storyline um instead of just including it into another hold on let me figure out what i'm trying to say i was about to say because what i i'm, I'm about to come at you hard about this <laughs> because what you just said proved my next point oh god what's your next point 
Uh, just say it and I'll go. Say it. Cut all this out. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I don't want to look stupid. Oh my god. Keep going. <laughs> no, Mama. Just keep going. Well, yes. Okay. I don't know a lot about the author, so that's fine. I think you know they might be a part of the LGBTQ. <laughs> LGBTQ two. <laughs> the Ria. <laughs> oh my god and the author might very well be part of the lgbtq community and that's fine but that's exactly my point if you have an author who is clearly connected to the community and who has the accolades to write stories and create their own pieces why does that author not go ahead and just create stories for themselves that are that their intent is to be for the lgbtq community instead of you know rewriting a superman that way it's not a straight white savior and the author might very well have done that i don't know a lot about the person that author is your next point it is my next Um, point oh my god because this is a completely new story that like even though he's the son of superman he is literally clark kent's son however heretofore so after and such for don't laugh at me like that you heathen it's his own story and this man has his own story but it's still connected to a larger story that's existed for however long superman's existed okay clearly there's just no pleasing you about this subject and we need to move on so let's let's talk about the next thing no i want to argue i want to yell at you okay that's (laughs) (laughs) i can't i just can't agree with you like i literally cannot like you don't have to agree with me we can disagree we can agree to disagree that you're wrong and we can move on and we can say you're wrong and I'm right and that's fine. No, because you want to move on now that you're offering a new point that's saying you're right and that's not correct. You I are am right, right and that's fine and that's no, fine. I no. am right and it's okay for you to be wrong and admit that. I'm and not admi- I'm not admitting anything except for the fact that Superman's bisexual son is his own story and it's beautiful. And that's fine. Everybody should be gay. Everybody should be bisexual. Every story should. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody should be gay. Let's make everything gay. <laughs> I, do, I, I don't know about that, but well, that's all I have for today. Do you have anything else to do? No. Uh, no. <laughs> I have no thoughts, no opinions, no, no nothing. No, I'm good. I'm good. Well, guys, that wraps it up for this week's episode of Civil Discourse. We got, I would say it certainly got political. Yes. I like that as this goes on, we're getting more and more comfortable arguing. That's what I was looking forward to. We're already comfortable arguing. Just not publicly. Just not unless publicly. we're like unless we're out in public somewhere, and then <laughs> then we will. <laughs> Shut up, <laughs> I, I, guys! I just want to remind you that civil discourse can happen anywhere from your backyard all the way to on the street with your neighbors. Just remember to keep it cute and keep yourselves informed. Thank you so much, guys, and have a great one. We'll see you next week. Bye. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Civil Discourse. Damien and I had a great time making it for you, and we hope you had a great time listening. But before I go, I wanted to talk to you guys about something kind of cool and kind of interesting that we offer here at GHC. This episode today is brought to you by our very own GHC Student Support Services. And you know I've talked about them before. You know I live for them on any day to answer why. And in case you weren't already aware, they provide free academic career and personal counseling. You know, I go to them a lot for, for advice on what to do and how to transfer to my for your university once I leave here at Georgia Highlands and things like that and they really helped me and I feel prepared leaving them and knowing that they're doing the best they can to make sure that I succeed so be sure to check them out on your student portal and see what's popping thanks so much guys and have a great day